0: This is Erica Jeffers, and welcome to the Maiden Podcast. We're here to discuss all things relating to Black women's experience in different aspects of their life. As usual, uh, Gail Connell is here with me, a partner in crime, (laughs) and today we're going to be talking about career. Um, And we wanted to kick off in terms of career by just asking a question to you, Gail. okay. Uh, which is what aspects of your career
1: did you most enjoy? Oh, that's interesting. And I I guess the first thing I would say is that maybe my definition of career is different, right? Because for me, career translates to basically money, right? And how you negotiate through life with capital. Um, And I know that's not necessarily the definition that most people have. So my view, and I think it's quite interesting because we're probably going to be different. We probably represent different things in terms of the spectrum of career. Um, But with that view in mind, for me, the best aspect of, my career or any career is just being able to create that independence to live life on your own terms. Right. So for me, that's, that's what career is for. I'm not really so concerned with job titles and progressions and, um, you know, other people's opinions about how I live my life. But for me, having a successful career and the parts of my career that I enjoy are finding opportunities to make sure that I can navigate through life in a way that makes me happy, regardless of how that looks to other people. What What would you say are the best parts of career, your career to this point? Uh, I'd say that to so
0: this point, my whole career has been a it has been a, a graduate program for the last mm. twenty odd years. That's the
1: way I've and seen it. Right? So, just as an education for the fans, the people who listen. I hope you're fans, but um, for the for the listeners out there, Erica is very successful. So, don't let her whole graduate program spiel fool you. She is very successful. <laughs> She is very high profile. She's very well respected. She's smart as hell. So don't be fooled by her, you know, oh, downplaying herself. Thank you, Gail. She's very right. successful by any objective measure of career progression. That being said, carry on,
0: please. Thank you so much. And so I say that
1: because.
0: I didn't know what I wanted to do as a career. Um, I did all the right things. I went to university and after I left university and came back to my home city, I just partied for three years and it was marvelous. Um, (laughs) For those of us who, for anybody out there who's into um, reggae music or basketball music back in the 90s, or even now, I was was trying to live a a wannabe dancehall queen life at night and working through the day just to um, fulfill that lifestyle, which wasn't, you know, it was fun, but that wasn't the directory in terms of where I needed to go. And um, and in that, and so after I'd realized that, okay, I've had three years of partying, I've done everything that my parents expected me to do. What does Erica Jeffers want to do? Um, I then identified a uh, an, an a particular area that I enjoyed and I think that my career has been a vehicle for me to develop and grow my brand of Erica Jeffers, my knowledge and my skills and I've never necessarily been in a job for a job's sake, it's always about what can I learn and so I think I would say the most enjoyable part of my career has been learning new things it's been building out those skills it's also been meeting different people from different walks of life and getting different perspectives um I would say and then Mm. in just to to add to that just to give that a dimension from a, a black woman's perspective my whole career was about how can I ensure that the next black female that comes after me, um, if they encounter somebody who has a negative opinion of a black woman, that when they engage with me, that they question their own view about black women and how we are and how to engage us. And so that, I would have done a job of enabling people to check themselves if they had negative views about black women. And uh, I'd say that that was why I enjoyed, and I'd say that that was one of my purposes throughout Mm. my career as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that is something that we, as black women, especially within a corporate sphere, definitely have to manage, right? Because I, I think all of us are very aware that to the majority of white colleagues that we have, we are a representation of everyone. All people, right? right. And so we have to be very cognizant of how we come across at all times. And it's interesting that that was one of the aspects, like keeping people in check is one of the aspects that you enjoyed, because I know that When I was part of that corporate world, it was one of the things that annoyed me the most. Right. And I I just I just uh, it's exhausting. I found it exhausting that I always have to be aware. And this is not just in the corporate sphere, because Mm. even in schools and Mm. everyday interactions, everything that we do is going to be judged on the level of a macrocosm. Right. As opposed to white people who are going to be judged as individuals. Yep. Everything that I say, every word that comes out of my mouth, right, has to be considered and measured in a way that is going to be the most, not necessarily palatable, because I, as you said, we have to check people, but we have to do it in a way that is then not going to diminish opportunities for Black people coming behind us, right? Because we can't say, we can't just go off <laughs> and put people in their place, because then that will potentially damage hiring opportunities for other Black yes. youth who are coming, right? And so I found that exhausting, and it just highlighted to me the level of injustice that we face. And that's that's actually one of the reasons why, you know, I was quite happy to step away from Corporate life. Uh, So it's interesting. It's really interesting to get your perspective on that. But I think,
0: so when I say I wanted them to check themselves, I'm not checking them. I want them to check themselves in terms of when they engage with me, that they themselves think, oh, that's not what I expected. Right. And therefore, that engagement that they have with me enables them to check themselves.
1: Yeah, but I think what happens in those situations, at least in my experience, is that people believe you to be the exception, right? So when you do something that, that people feel is negative or that, you know, challenges their fragility as white people, then automatically you represent everyone. The minute you do something that is deemed exceptional, then it is just that. It is exceptional. You are you're not really that black, right? You're not, you know, Oh, but you're not, you're not like them. Right. And that's, that is the dichotomy that exists within that reality that white people have created for themselves that continues to allow them to justify these behaviors.
0: And wouldn't it be great if we knew everything that we know now back then, right? Right. Because the navigation of trying to be our authentic selves. That was one of the things I think in one of my second job, I would say in the city for a global financial services company. At some point during that time I was there, I was there for four years. I came to the conclusion that this cannot continue. I have right. to figure out who I am because it feels as though I'm playing a dual role. I'm having multiple hats on in terms of personality and it's exhausting and I cannot do that anymore. So quite early on in my career, I made a conscious decision that I was going to be my authentic self, but within, with limitations and those limitations then got less and less as I got more older and more confident in who I was and in my capabilities, but- And do you think as your career
1: progressed, Mm -hmm. you were able to uh, present more of your authentic self, right? Do you, because, you know, you are quite senior and do you think that there is a difference now in terms of the problematic behavior that you encounter in your current position versus what you encountered when you were starting out?
0: I think the other thing is two things that my dad said to me. Um, as I'm sure a lot of Black females on this call will be able to resonate with. I can't remember when he told me this. I mean, not told me, but we had this conversation. And he said, you are going to have some challenges in life because you are Black and a female. Right. And so with that in the back of my mind, I think for a lot of the time in my career, I always looked at things as being they were always the the two things that it could not be. Because I was always looking at self-development, self-improvement. I gave a lot of people a lot of passes in terms mm-hmm. of their behavior, et cetera, because mm-hmm. I was always looking at, I was always remembering the challenges that you're gonna have in life. And it's almost like once you accept those as challenges, you kind of put them to one side and you don't necessarily confront them. And I think there is much better language now to confront those things than there was when I was coming up in my career.
1: So um, but what, what advice would you give someone who's just starting out in their career now, right? And by career, we're talking about the within a corporate space, right? What advice would you give them?
0: I would tell them to be their authentic selves, right? And I think just seeing people now in the workspace, a lot of the um, millennials and those who have come up after me, they don't take any crap, right? They're not, why do I have to work twice as hard as that white person over there? They're like, they, they just, it's, it's not on their radar. They're like, no, I, I don't see why I should. And so they're much more vocal about injustices as and when they happen, rather than us who we just, and that comes from our, what I like to call, generational PTSD, where we right. just suck it up, right? And we move on.
1: And, and to, so, and to be fair, I think the environment was a lot less open to criticism, right? We didn't, I mean, we didn't really have the option to be vocal and to speak up in a way that people do now, because that would just, we'd just be fired, right? We'd just be marginalized. We wouldn't make the progressions that we deserved, right? And we would see a bit of that anyway, even though we were as diplomatic as we possibly could have been, right? And it would just limit the opportunities for other Black people. Oh, Black people are a problem, which is not going to hire. But I also
0: have a little bit of resentment, Gail, I have to say. Now in 2020, current climate of you you were made to feel as though that wasn't happening. You had a chip on your shoulder; it's your issue, and all along it actually wasn't.
1: And therefore,
0: we used up all of this energy. It's actually when you look at the psychology of it, it's a little bit frightening because the damage to our emotional and mental health in yes. terms of having to deal with something to deal with deal with something that is uh-huh. a reality yes. it's a reality to us but being told it's not real is i don't know how we've come through it honestly no. it's when you sit down and you think about it like that it's 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 kind of it's it's not kind of upsetting it is upsetting and so now it's about oh how mm-hmm. do i How do you now move forward? And I like what you said earlier on, right? In terms of career is about how can you get to the point where you just enjoy the things you want to do and live life on your own terms. And at 45, I've wanted to do that, but I've not been able to be, either be brave enough, competent enough to verbalize that I can do that now. I can work towards that. I don't know whether... I've disassociated, not disassociated, that doesn't sound right. I don't know whether now I've done all the things that in the media and in the social um, hierarchy of things, I've done all those things and now I've gone, okay, I've I've done them. How do I feel? Actually, I feel better when I do things that I enjoy. So to that point, my advice would be, do things in your career that you enjoy. Life is too short to be doing stuff that you don't
1: enjoy. Right. And I think that ties in nicely to, you know, because what I said in terms of how I view career, I feel that way because I, I also feel that we as Black people have an unhealthy relationship with money, yeah. right, and with career and with perception, right, and, and how we are viewed by others. And that comes from... A lot of that comes from the Mm -hmm. colonialist slave trading past Mm -hmm. that we have experienced, right? So we have been damaged and we have been made to believe that we are less than and that having money and having things and having status is the way to get that respect from white people. And what I realized is that no matter how successful you are, you'll never be respected. You're still black. You're still black. And that's all they're going to see about you. And if you're a black woman, then they won't even see you at all. Right. Right. And so, you know, for me, being in the corporate sphere really reinforced that that was the case. Right. No matter how successful I was, no matter how many promotions I got, I was still going to encounter those walls and those barriers because simply because I'm a black woman. And no amount of gaslighting can change that from being my reality, right? And if people aren't even going to be receptive to listening and hearing and trying to understand my reality, then that's not the world that I choose to live in, right? And it's not – the thing is, I think people look at the life that I live now and feel – because people have told me, oh, you're so lucky. You don't work. I don't work in the corporate sphere. Mm -hmm. But it's not not about luck, right? I'm happy without you've, lots of things you've created and, that right I've created that and I, I also make sacrifices that people don't see and and we look at our cost base we look at our expenses and we live within our means and that's and I think that's the point right because we as black people need to realize that this paradigm of capitalism was built on our backs right and it was never built to include us no and no matter how hard you work to get that seat at the table, your seat is one of those little folding beach chairs, right? And you know, when they're to put you in your place, they will. Hopefully
0: people do realize that the whole stock market and structure of the stock market is based on the slave trade, right? Commodities, black people were commodities. So right now when you look at the stock market and you look at stocks and shares – And let's say you're looking at stocks and shares in a company that you are basically buying into whatever that company is trading. And in the origination of the stock market, those companies that were trading were trading in black people and the movement of them from Africa to the Caribbean to the States and also in uh, commodities such
1: as sugar. So, well, which are still a huge part of the commodities market today—sugar and exactly sugar. Kate and Lyle—things that you would think have no real intrinsic value necessarily, but actually, interesting fact is that one of the earliest stock markets was for tulips, right? Tulips is when they started selling futures for the first time, mm. and and then the tulip market went bust, and people lost their shirts, and that was in the Netherlands a couple hundred years ago, but that was just an aside.
0: Thanks for that, Gail. Gail's an encyclopedia of knowledge, by the way, listeners. Useless
1: Um, useless information.
0: No, never. You know what was um, interesting when I was thinking about my career and just to to throw in another dynamic was what was my hairstyles in all of my different roles? Yes. And in what roles did I receive? promotions or companies that I received promotions and you know what was interesting is it could just be coincidence mind you that earlier on in my career I had straight hair uh processed hair my own relaxed hair sorry couldn't get there got there in the end and I think in those first three companies in which I was in I got promotions in those first three companies But uh, and you could say actually I might have been making my way through the ranks, so it's fine.
1: But you could say that, but it is quite coincidental, and I don't. I think that experience would mirror a lot of other black women, right? Because then, and hopefully some women are now listening
0: to this thinking, hmm, let me just do this check, and then. When I, so all I did was just to write down the roles that I had had. And then I put a star against the roles, the companies in which I had worked in those roles. And then I noticed that when the stars disappeared, is when I started to grow my locks.
1: Mm. You and know, then, it's interesting because when you first mentioned this, I thought, well, Yeah, that makes sense, but that doesn't really apply to me because I've had my hair natural since university, right? But when I think about what you said, even though I had my hair natural, I realized that that period when I shaved my head when I was in London Mm -hmm. again, Mm -hmm. and I went from having, you know, long natural hair to basically no hair. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, That was like the one year that I didn't get the promotion that I deserved. There was no rationale for not giving me that promotion. Mm -hmm. They couldn't even justify it to themselves, much less me. And so it's it's funny that you you bring that up, but very insightful. So thank you for mentioning that.
0: And even though I had my locks, one company had long locks. And like I said, my locks were pretty tight they were tidy I always it was always neat oh, because the thing is is that when I went beautiful. natural thank you when I went natural I actually made my I'm, I always look corporate in my dress anyway but I did not slack on my corporate dress when I went natural in fact I amped it up a little bit more when I went natural because I didn't want to have my brand be uh diminished by having locks. So I try to balance it out. But this is my this is the problem that I have with that is the fact that we did it, we do these things so we can be acceptable to white people. Yeah. And it's so annoying that we had to do that.
1: Exactly. It is so annoying that we have to make so much effort to to downplay who we are authentically right right and i think and in, this is your natural hair that grows that out grows out of my head. Head. exactly right wouldn't you ever say to a white woman ah oh, you're a redhead mm. right and i think you know even in my
0: where i am my last job i would say that i've i went from locks to wearing my hair natural mm. and uh, it's interesting. I am not saying it. it's, it's just interesting in terms of because I didn't change. My ability to do the job hasn't changed. But what's interesting is is where if you work for a consultancy, what's interesting is is that people do second think about how they wear their hair because they may not get placed in a certain client's right. environment. And right. again, that's wrong because I think that if you are a consultant and your company is a consultancy that there should be a, you should have the protection of your company to be comfortable in any environment, client's environment, because a client's environment is an extension of your company's environment as far as I'm concerned, right? And they should be be protecting you in that way. And I think as well, being authentic is about how you feel about yourself inside, not not just about how you represent yourself on the outside too.
1: And how much of that racism we've internalized against ourselves. But I did want to ask you, because full disclosure for the listeners, Erica and I actually met within the corporate environment when we were working for a large international investment bank. I won't go into the details of that meeting, but I will say I did want to ask what was your perception in terms of the types of challenges that you faced as a black woman in that company because we weren't in the same department so I think that kind of impacts it as well to a certain level not so much um but how did that company compare to other companies that you've worked in since you left that company
0: I think that company I think in all of the companies that I've worked in where I've tried to be part of a employer resource group or a community and networking group for those that look like me African Caribbean what have you one of the commonalities I would say is and I'm gonna answer your question but one of the commonalities is yeah one of the commonalities is that they have these groups but actually these groups don't really have any teeth and so change doesn't really happen and what's interesting is is that the people within those groups who are driving them the black people they are reserved in terms of their ambition for the group and what we're about and what we're trying to do which is exactly what the lgbt community has done and was trying to do i just want to be recognized as equal that's all
1: right right again just like the whole issue with the hair it's not fo- it's not coincidental that the people who are chosen to spearhead these groups are the people who are the most palatable to the white population and the least confrontational the least challenging right because then they it can becomes a tick box ec- exercise as opposed to a real exercise in Change and pushing the envelope and inclusivity and diversity, and all of these buzzwords that corporations like to put on their marketing materials that doesn't play any role in how they operate as a company.
0: And so, back to your question, I would say that the other thing that played into my awareness in the workplace was that I would say that being in a corporate environment, I'm probably one of the first. Of my siblings, et cetera, to be in a corporate environment. And so that's important because in a non-corporate environment, remember I talked about those three years where I just had fun. I was in a um, micro environment where you are just in the community. You, you might go to work, but everything's about what's going on in the community, your friends in the community, your party in the community, you socialize the community and you buy in the community. And in that, there is this whole view of white people. And there's this whole monolith of reaction in terms of injustices when it comes to black people. And that reaction is sometimes not the best way to react to certain scenarios or situations. Mm. Because in your reaction, you are fulfilling the stereotypes of being that angry black person, right? And so why I say that is because when I then went into the corporate environment, I started to look at, not even when, I'd say even before that, because I've always looked at things, I try to look at things from different sides, right? Was that I didn't always look at things from the side of, eh, eh. What did you, what's going on? Why are you acting like that? Why You can't treat me like this and reacting in a knee-jerk way. And so for me, I think that in that corporate environment, if and when I faced any sexism or racism... And usually both. And usually both. I just don't think I saw it. Or if I saw it, I internalized it to be something that I need to work on, that I right. need to address. Right. So,
1: interesting. yeah.
0: And so, but also for the fact that I'm also not trying to be this image of a angry black person that is negatively portrayed in right. the media. And so there's 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 a lot of things going on whereby, you know, you can't react immediately because I probably trained myself to if I'm with my friends that's different but in a corporate environment I think I've probably trained myself to sit think think too much and then it's too little to react and I'll give you a great example and then I'll end this in terms of answering your question I remember at said company that we met I can't remember what happened, but I am a overthinker and I did in this particular scenario, something happened. Maybe I got some negative feedback and I thought about it and I mulled it over and over and over again. And actually I say it was negative feedback. Feedback is feedback, but I perceived it as negative. I Mm mulled it over and over and over again. And then I went into this lady's office, a white lady who was senior to me and I was like, "Oh, I've just been thinking about this scenario and she's just like, "Erica, that was over a week ago. You need to get over that." And I right. just thought to myself, and it's not until now, 2020, that I that keeps on playing back in my mind, where I'm thinking, "What privilege you have that you do not have to consider all the things that I have to consider right. when receiving this feedback that you can just it's just what if it looks back to you and I could could be I could be oversensitive about the situation but I know that I'm not because I know Mm -hmm. that there is a lot of black women out there who are in the corporate world or in whatever environment you are in where you swallow it where you just consume it and you think about it and there are people there are other people out there from other ethnicities white women um Asian women they probably don't even give it as much thought as we have done because of right. all of the aspects of being Black and female, a minority in this it's country. Life, right? as, so It's all the things that you need to think about when, you know, it. So, so when we do these things at work around looking at people, or even when we read these books, whether it's around mindset, whether it's around self-development, whether it's around feedback, they're all from aspects of a white person, and I think yes, I also need to think about reading these types of books. I'm not diminishing what they're saying because I think most of the time they're right, but there needs to be another perspective
1: from a, a black right female or white books... people, right? Yes. Because the tools that they will suggest that may be appropriate for white people aren't necessarily going to work as effectively or even in the same manner when black people try to execute them right and i think in light of everything that you said which i agree with 100% i think it's amazing that black women have managed to be as successful yes. right as we have been yeah. and effectively what they do is handcuff us yeah. right because you they'll state they'll tie your hand one hand behind your back and say get it done because you can't challenge things you it is difficult to effect any real change because our voices are consistently ignored we don't get the respect that we deserve our ideas are frequently stolen right yes. and other people will get credit for our ideas so that all that gaslighting and all of that just shit i will say this is a Mature audience, it, that's dumped on us. We are still able to thrive and prosper in a way that I'm not sure that lots of other people would have been able to.
0: I agree. They would have been. They'd have been crushed underneath the mental and emotional trauma that is yeah. put upon us. Yeah. And you know what? I just wanted to come back to a point um, when you spoke about black people and their relationships with money. I think that um, one of the things that is quite interesting to me is how instant gratification is very important in our culture and to us. Yes. And it dawned on me a few years ago: life expectancy of a black person was not very long. Right. And therefore, if you've got through PTSD, um, generational trauma, if that has been something that has been carried on through the generations. It shouldn't be a surprise to us that instant gratification happens because right. life expectancy is so short. So it's yeah. almost like, I, I'm not going to live for long. So I'm going to enjoy this wealth. I'm here because that's not how, only that, 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 that would have the, the mindset.
1: Not only the life expense expectancy, but also the instability of wealth reliability, Right. Because at any point, a white person is going to come in and ruin your life, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, this is this has been our history. So you take what you can get when you can get it. And yeah. you can't worry too much about what's going to happen tomorrow no. or what's going to happen to your children yeah. because you, you can save all that money and worry about, you know, the future and that future is still taken. And we have seen that continue to play out time and time again for centuries, right? And that's, that's what makes it so difficult for us as black people to transition from that mindset Yeah, because that system that enables this instability still exists, right? It still exists. And until people are willing to have the conversations that acknowledge it as a first step, right. And then, work towards changing it, this will always be the case. And so I do understand that idea of just, you know, getting what I can get, taking what I can take, right? And being out for myself. And I, I watched, um, there's an activist, Kimberly Jones, and she has a a video that's gone viral. One of the the most salient points, I mean, everything she said is spot on, but one of the most salient points that she said is that America specifically, and the world in general, likes to talk about how, and they don't want to talk about why, yeah. right? They don't, we're not looking at the root cause of why people feel so financially insecure, so food insecure, so, right, um, perceptually insecure, that the, their best bet is to smash the glass on this store and steal that TV or whatever, Right? So we're always looking at the how, and we're never looking at the why. And until we start looking at the why, no real change will ever real oh, Change.
0: And so, and I think you know, like I said, I agree with you that career, and it's taken, and that's taken my own change of mindset to a certain extent, or my own self-education, awareness, network of people etc to understand that you know your career is not about just the nine to five and I think definitely being in the working in the states when everybody's got a side hustle I was like well what's my side hustle and so that mentality and so I do think that to a certain extent the mentality is there in terms of people wanting to create have side hustles and wanting to Escape from well. Just to, to be, be clear, in America,
1: on everyone has America. a side hustle because you have to have a side hustle to survive in America, mm-hmm. right? That is the, that is the truth. No matter how successful you think that you are, right? Unless you are in the top five percent, really, all it takes in America is one hospital visit, right? Yes. One illness diagnosed, and all that fortune that you think you have is wiped out, right? So at all levels of society in America, there is tons of financial insecurity across the entire spectrum of the population, unless you're Warren Buffett. Right? Yeah. So just to be clear in America, a side hustle is not a side hustle. A side hustle is survival. And then I think that's a huge part of the problem with black people ever being able to overcome this mindset and this relationship because it goes deeper than just us. It's capitalism in general, right? And we are a cog and racism is a tool that the powers that be use against all poor people and black people just get the boot on our next. Right. But this is all for the benefit of the military industrial complex at the end of the day. And, and I think if white people start seeing it from that perspective, then everyone will be up in arms. Everyone will be ready to make a change because the changes that need to be made don't just benefit black people. This is mm-hmm. not a zero-sum game. Economic prosperity for everyone is, means everyone is happier. Your country is healthier. People have more you know, time to spend with their kids. People have more expendable income right? Societies are more stable. And these are things that people don't look at because at the end of the day, the oligarchy in which we live is only concerned with maintaining their power and their control to the detriment of everyone else. I mean, we are, in my humble opinion, steps away from serfdom, right? We might as well be feudal Russia. We're not that far away. and. Until we we can open our eyes to that, as an economic community, regardless of race, we're in serious trouble.
0: I think that um, I think for me, my individual journey right now is how do I make sure that I can create financial freedom for myself. In and I was thinking ten to fifteen years. Now I'm like thinking. Five years because financial freedom is not having millions of dollars, right? Right. Like financial freedom is being able to live your life, like you said, on your own terms, and you have to decide what that budget looks like to be yeah. able to do that.
1: And also reevaluate what it is that you think that you need. Because It's true. You have to define what that looks like. But I think society has told us for such a long time. And to your point before about, you know, the instant gratification piece, we feel like we need to perpetuate this image of, you know, what we're doing and how successful we are. And so when people think about financial independence, they think about being able to perpetuate that cycle without, you know, uh, corporate sponsorship, without having a job per se and how they create that for themselves. And I think the the next step in that is thinking, well, do I actually even need the stuff that people say that I need? Exactly.
0: If you don't like what I'm wearing today because I had it on yesterday, you need to close your
1: eyes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And
0: that's that's where I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am a sucker for a good sale. So don't get it twisted. Right. Really, do you need to have ten black pairs of black trousers? No, right, right. I wore that outfit last summer. Why can't I wear it this summer? So I'm done with. And black people were very much like that. For black people, I do think that some of us are very materialistic to the point whereby we will buy another outfit because we don't want to be judged by people in our community for when that same outfit yeah. twice in the same mm-hmm. week.
1: And to your point before about instant gratification, that also comes is a legacy of slavery and yeah. colonialism, right? But do you watch, um, black AF on Netflix? I've watched it. Okay. Cause in, I think it's one of the first couple episodes and he talks about, you know, the whole, I think it's the first episode, the whole idea that, um, you know, he's very successful, and he's quite ostentatious with it, right? So he has a yeah. like crazy car and the gold chains yeah. and the Gucci tracksuits. And whereas his counter, white male counterparts, right? The people oh, who after are, the male, after brunch, when they get their right. cars, yes. Right, and they're wearing Gap t-shirts and, you know, Converse sneakers. And, you know, his daughter, who's doing the mock documentary, yeah, just goes into how one day you know, we're slaves and then the next day we're free. How does that mindset work? How do we get that respect from the people who yesterday were whipping us in the fields while we wear our Sunday best, right? Because that was the point in time previously when we got the most respect from our former captors. So every outfit has to be our Sunday best, Right, we have to present the image of respectability and success at every moment. Yes. Right. We can't look like Tegereg, as you would say can't in Jamaica. look
0: run down. Nope. Right.
1: Because this is how we get the respect that we hadn't gotten for hundreds of years prior. And, and so that is so deeply ingrained in us.
0: It is. And you know what? I think I've just come to that conclusion probably in the last 12 to 18 months. I'm done. Mm. (laughs) I'm I'm done. I I don't need your approval. And in that, in terms of not needing your approval, if you want to uh, not promote me or if you do not see me as a future leader of your organisation, that's okay. And I've come to terms with that. Because guess what? I'm working out these other channels of income, so I don't have to be dependent on this one right. anymore. And that's to that, that to me is how I'm creating my financial yes. freedom, because I'm done trying to please you. Do you right. know what I mean? I'm, I'm done. It's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's not an individual, it's I'm trying to please a collective, and you might not be aware of it. Right now, where we are in 2020, we are only scraping the surface of this psychological stuff.
1: Absolutely.
0: Right? Absolutely. Only scraping that. So that white fragility stuff, surface stuff, right? Yeah. Absolutely. It goes down so many layers and I'm done. And so for me, that's why you don't want us here. All right. Let me go find somewhere where I feel as though I'm wanted. Right? Yeah. And I have to, and the other thing is, I think I'm okay with that and I think black people need to be okay with something which is especially in the UK we are I keep on rolling out these numbers three percent of the UK uh, English population five percent of the UK population mid-teens representation in London when I'm talking about black people that's a really small percentage really small percentage And we have to acknowledge that that's a really small percentage. So if you want to be represented and have representation, think about those percentages, because you might be that 3% in your organization, dependent on the size. You might be that 3% in your department. And that's okay. If you want to have a higher representation, then go somewhere where we are represented higher, go to Africa, and then start to have those conversations about gender, Mm. tribes, what have you. But right. we need to
1: really start to think about, be realistic in our expectations.
0: We're a very small percentage of the UK population.
1: so And that goes to the point as well about us building communities for ourselves, right? Exactly. If you want representation, then you create that representation right. within your space, right? If you want to have that organization or that company, or you want that network of like-minded black people, then that's something that will be created if you reach out to the people around you who are like-minded. Yeah, you want that representation. For ourselves in order to create that representation for ourselves, right? Because if we want to
0: to have a society that reflects us, black people, we
1: need to create create it. Absolutely. We
0: can't be waiting around for white people
1: no more. And we're done. We're done. And, and, I, and I I think in the UK, that's absolutely spot on. I think the, the difference in America is that the wealth that was built in America was built well, on Black people's backs. Yeah. Right? America is a country for Black people, is the country of Black people as much as it is for, you know, those of European descent. Because
0: you all kind of came at the same time. So.
1: Well, yes. Yeah, I mean, black people have been here since the beginning. Okay. Right? Yes. Right. Not necessarily in the same in the same manner as after the transatlantic slave trade started because actually the it wasn't until the Bacon Rebellion, right? Because up until that point and that that's right before the transatlantic slave trade started, you had the Bacon Rebellion. And that's when you had black and white indentured servants. Mm-hmm Start an uprising for fair treatment, right? And at this stage, this is when the landowner said, "Wait a minute, this is going to be a problem, yep. right? We need to nip this in the bud now." And so they started that process of creating dissension first by giving different yep. punishment to you know the black uh, leaders of the insurrection as opposed to the white European leaders, right? So the the white the whites got. Um, more lenient sentencing and punishments oh, for their role in that. Huh. Right, nothing has changed, and that is when they started their targeted uh, approach to then dehumanize black people. Right, because at that point they realized they were going to need slaves to do the work, and if they could create a wedge between the white people and the black people, then the poor white people, the indentured servants, would assist them in keeping the black slaves in check.
0: But Gail, they could also buy themselves out of their contracts, though. They, they
1: could, absolutely. Gail, so Which people couldn't. after that, exactly, after seven years, or with the right amount of capital, they were allowed to buy themselves out. Black people were going to be in- slaves for life. They were indentured for life, right, post that rebellion. And they had a different set of rules for natives, right? It was Thomas Jefferson who started looking for scientific justifications for slavery, right? He is the one who started that whole crusade to say, well, let's find a scientific basis for why Black people are inferior. And lots of those still perpetuate into medical practice today, right? There was a study that was done, I believe it was by Harvard, I can find the details of it, where... You know, there are are recent medical school graduates who feel that Black people are more tolerant of pain, that we have uh, physically thicker skin, right? To the point where anesthesiologists are not giving Black people appropriate dosages for pain management because of this belief that has perpetuated that Black people are more impervious to pain than what but, people right and this but, is this is 20th century stuff this is not this is not ancient history this is the funny thing is
0: though and i think this is what this whole thing has been about is that we were superior in our knowledge and our society and for some reason i don't know what these people i don't know what their problem
1: was why couldn't they just live in harmony why because this live is in not about, it wasn't about living in harmony. It was about wealth, generating wealth and, power. and protecting that wealth and power for future generations, right? The Constitution didn't include, the only people who could vote under the original Constitution were white male landowners, mm. Yeah. right? Yeah. That's a fact. And so all of this, all of this navel gazing and all of this, you know, honoring of the forefathers and yada, yada, yada. There were racist misogynists too, yes. right? And and
0: I think that in terms of our topic around careers, I think that, I mean, the whole reason why we wanted to cover this topic, right, was to talk about careers, our perspective on careers, which obviously then brings us to um, wealth. And, and I love that by the way, that, you know, you see career as means by which you financially live your, can live your life. But these are all facets of the environment in which we find ourselves in today. Yeah. And some Absolutely. of the reasons as to why we have to endure some of the challenges that we endure as well, it's... Yeah. but. Having said all of that, what one needs to do is to make decisions for oneself, right? In terms of what are you going to do to change your situation? What action will you take as an individual? Because we can talk about being doing things as a group, but until an individual action is taken, we can't do anything (laughs) as a group. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so my... My advice to anybody listening out there is take control of your career. Take control of what it is that you want to achieve. Take control of your own financial situation. And my final thing would be do what you enjoy. That's what, you know, anybody who's listening, for sure, life, life is yours. It's yours. Live it on your terms do what makes you happy and not in a selfish sort of, I'm going to trample on everybody else sort of way, but what you find enjoyable. Pursue that, pursue that.
1: I agree with that. I mean, that's great advice. And the only thing I would add to that is also, I think we also need to be mindful and question, right? Why we feel Hmm. we need the things that we need and what is truly important, right? just make sure that we are aware and just in tune with ourselves and with the people we care about and think about what is really important, what we want our legacy to be, and what we can really take with us, what will make our lives most meaningful and most fulfilled and enriched during the limited time that we have on the planet. I agree. Okay. Well, on that note, I think we're out of time. I think it was a great discussion today. And I hope you guys think so too. And you'll join us again next week. Until then, have a great day. Bye bye. Peace and blessings.